Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where jiu-jitsu practitioners open their minds to new ideas and concepts about personal development, entrepreneurship, jiu-jitsu, and life. Our mission is to inspire, impact, and or improve your life in some way to support you during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, episode 132. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today's the first episode of 2022. I'm recording this in January, but the last episode was in December. I haven't been releasing as many episodes as I used to, just other priorities, other things going on. So a couple hours earlier, I recorded my conversation with Jeff Mata. He is a brown belt under Barry Yoshida. He's an entrepreneur, motivational speaker, incredible interview, and highly recommended to stay until the end because it's very inspirational. And during the interview, we'll talk about a few different topics. And one of them just reminded about a book. So it's a book suggestion here. It's not what happens to you. It's what you do about it. Taking responsibility for change by W. Mitchell, forward by Anthony Robbins. Actually, I met uh, W. Mitchell, and he gave me this book incredible story and when you listen to Jeff's story and then you relate it you know exactly what I'm talking about that is not what happens to you it's what you do about it many times in life we yeah they throw us a curveball and we just gotta see how remember the fact cannot be changed only a response to the fact can be changed easier said than done but Basically, that is the attitude. It's not what happens to you, it's what you do about it. And in a different context, we did talk a little bit about money. So I, I mentioned that I've been revisiting this book here this week, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. So he is, um, man, it's a great book. If you haven't been involved in any type of investing whatsoever, maybe this is a good thing to kind of start the conversation. I've been thinking about some real estate stuff. So I've been visiting some of his content, awesome information. And that's it. I want to give you the, the intro real quick for Jeff. And I hope you enjoyed the interview. Was, let me introduce you to today's guest, Jeff Mata. Jeff is currently a brown belt under Barry Yoshida. He's a motivational speaker, entrepreneur, business owner, and athlete. Jeff is the founder and president of Motivation co-founder of Habu Inc. and a partner with Poway Jiu-Jitsu. He's also an active competitor in the Sport Jiu-Jitsu International Federation. And all of this has been accomplished while being faced with a complete loss of sight on April 18, 2008. Jeff's mission in life is to inspire and motivate people facing life's challenges and in order to instill hope and empower against fear. Jeff, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank, that was an awesome introduction, Gustavo. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, thank <laughs> Can you read you it for... again? No. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for, for being here, of course. And man, you mentioned that you competed this weekend, right? At the yeah. World League. Yeah. I was at the World League this weekend. Didn't get the results I wanted. I, I took silver in the respectable gi division and then lost in no gi, but you know, life goes on. I, I, I'm not, I only give myself 24 hours mm-hmm. to complain, but you complain. Good. And after Good that, strategy. I just let it go. Right. Cause I, I, I found that back in the past when you, you were so attached to it, it just really 
brings you down and you, you mm -hmm. lose that confidence. You lose any, any sort of rhythm or momentum. And honestly, I found later in life that if you can detach from things faster, mm -hmm. you can get back up and start, start, start it all over again. Absolutely. And how do you feel when you go to tournaments, mm -hmm. uh, especially some are bigger than others? Do you go more like, do you feel like the vibe of the tournament, you know, excitement and it's busy mm -hmm. and then a smaller event, like does that interfere in any way, shape or form for what you do? Because some people sometimes go, oh my God, it's a big tournament, I'm nervous mm -hmm. or I'm small, I'm, I'm okay. But like you're, you're not seeing the crowd, but you're feeling the vibe, you know, like how yeah. does that impact you? That's a good, hey, that's a really good question. So when I first started 10 years ago and I started competing, uh, I, especially being blind, you don't really see everything. The funny thing that uh, I remember there was uh, someone talking about, so you don't even get that intimidation factor because you don't mm -hmm. see the guy just staring you down in the bullpen, mm -hmm. uh, you know, going back and forth pacing. I said, no, I'm just in there listening to my tunes on my, on my headphones, on my AirPods and just having a good time. And in the present moment now, you still get those butterflies. You still get a little bit of a small bit of anxiety. But honestly, I feel that those smaller tournaments, I, I'm more playful, right? I, I go in there. I try doing some techniques or different, different concepts that I've been working on uh, and that, that I've been training on. Whereas the bigger IBJJF tournaments, I'm... I'm pretty much going to whatever strategy I, I choose for that tournament. And when I first started back in the past, I was, I was, you know, I was always standing, always going for the takedown, but I found myself as time kept on going, I kept on getting better with the guarding. I find uh, uh, doing kind of a 50, 50 flip-flop of either pulling guard or going for the takedown, depending on my, my, my opponent. So um, as far as the question that you asked, as far as feeling that vibe, I actually strive off of that. I love it. I love, nice. I love the way that the energy feels, especially after you weigh in and you made weight. <laughs> Cause that's, I mean, that's the only job that we have as athletes, right? That's the Step first battle, right? Yeah, the first, exactly. the first <laughs> match is that if you win that match, you get to compete actually. Exactly. Exactly. And you know how that goes, especially if you have to make a weight cut, but getting getting past that and then just waiting and getting getting on your on the mat for your first match i just love it it's it's the nerves the excitement everybody going crazy and stuff it, it's it's a fun time cool now let us know how did martial arts get into your life eventually you got to jiu-jitsu but i know that you practice yeah. uh other martial arts before so yeah just let us know yeah so as a kid my parents pretty much put my brother and I in a bunch of different sports. They were working all the time and we had a lot of energy, but the first martial arts that I actually got into was Taekwondo. And I, it was, you know, it was fun. I don't, I'm not going to uh, dog down Taekwondo. I, I have much respect for all the people there, especially the high level competitors and athletes. But at the time I wasn't really focused as I was later in life as a kid, you know, you're just there just to have fun. You're doing a lot of kata forms, breaking boards and stuff. And uh, it was it, it was fun while it lasted. But then we got into my brother and I got into extreme sports like skateboarding and surfing and and um, doing things like that. And then eventually in middle school, I found wrestling. 
And I was like, wow, this is, this is fun. You know, collegiate wrestling. I think they call it folk wrestling now. And did that all the way up until high school. And eventually um, I, I actually grew up with um, one of my good buddies that owned a karate gym, but then extended to a boxing gym and a Muay Thai gym. And then I started training, training in boxing, Muay Thai and all that stuff. And then before you knew it, it was just a, a part of my life of trying to find different ways of expanding my martial arts knowledge. If that, if that made, if that answered your question. Yeah, for sure. And now, so you had an incident, was it because of the boxing that, yes. you know, that led to a, to your the loss of sight? Loss of, yeah. Yeah. So, um, when I, I, I started boxing, it was when I was 17 years old and throughout just the training and, um, all the different trauma that you take to the head, um, my doctor's came through with the conclusion that the trauma of the extensive training and things that I was doing coupled with an inflammation called uveitis actually made my left eye get a retinal detachment. And then the crazy thing and the most fascinating thing about eyes is when one goes, the others, I, I, for some reason, just get overworked. And then the right eye just followed after. And in 2008, I actually lost all sight. And I, I mean, if you can imagine uh, losing your sense of sight at the age of 26 after having 2020 vision, doing what everyone did, the kids did around you to the teenage and young adult whole life, it was, it was definitely devastating for me. And um, uh, it resulted in really falling into a deep depression. That's what I was going to uh, ask you too, because the reality is everyone that is listening to this right now, no one has a free pass. Everyone is fighting an internal battle that no one knows about it. You know, right. internal battles and external battles mm -hmm. um, every day. Some people can cope with the internal battles better than others, anxiety, depression. So people have different ways to, to cope with this. I cannot even imagine. And that's what I want you to, to share with us. How was dealing with the internal battle around that time and how long do you feel that it took for you to like okay start to conquering this internal battle yeah that's that's actually good that's a good question i, I get that asked a lot that internal battle because uh, let's be just be honest i i mean you've i'm sure that you've hidden behind the smile or behind the new car, the new relationship, or even a new, new place that you've moved, but really there's something internal that you're battling. And in my case, it was the blindness. Uh, we use 90% of our senses, right? Uh, approximately 90% of our senses through our sight. And then the other 10% is going to be evenly distributed through your sense of smell, your sense of touch, taste, and, and hearing. So at 26 years of really relying on your sight and then all of a sudden it just gets stripped away from you uh you kind of lose yourself and i can i can Imagine. honestly you know remember like it was yesterday sitting in that doctor's office and waiting for my name to get called and the nurse calling me and saying mr mata you're you know you're up and i go okay well uh, I obviously I can't see and she came up and assisted me put my hand on her shoulder and walked me down this 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 hallway that literally felt like an eternity 
and walked me into an actual room, sat me down on one of those steel, steel cushioned chairs that you would see if you went and saw an ophthalmologist. And I just sat there. I sat there thinking to myself, oh, well, what's next? What, what do I have left in, in my tank or in my life in general? And so many different things were happening through my mind. A lot of those, those lies that, you, that, that filter through your head, I'm sure you hear those things like, oh, Jeff, you're not good enough. Or Jeff, you're, you're not going to amount to nothing anymore. Or, or even the worst, Jeff, why don't you just give up? Give up on life itself. And I, I, I didn't know where to go. Then again, putting all your eggs in one basket and being so attached to this sense of sight. And when the doctor came in and did literally, it must have only been a few minutes of shining a light in my eyes and, and looking through these different microscopes. And he just kind of sat back and he took a deep breath and he just told me, Mr. Mata, I'm sorry to inform you, but you're not going to be able to see again. They're just starting with surgeries that will be able to fix your sight. And oh, it was, if you could imagine, it was, it was crushing. It was crushing. It, and, and this led into this five, almost six year whirlwind of hell. I mean, I'm telling you, it was self-medication, heavy drinking, excessive, trying to party to, to get my mind off of things, drug use, and all the things that you think would help, but really didn't. Try to escape it, right? Yeah, you're just trying to escape this feeling or this void inside your heart. And, and I, I, I couldn't take it. I, I really couldn't. And you start to actually believe the lies that are swirling mm -hmm. around in your head. And to, to your point, these, these internal challenges or these internal brick walls that, that we're facing every day, I mean, it's inevitable, regardless if you lose your sight, if you lose your job, uh, if, you're, if you have a shaky relationship, you know, let alone a divorce. I mean, so many people are going through so much now, especially now in, during this whole pandemic. I mean, you and I were supposed to do this, this podcast pre-pandemic and now, you know, we're, we're here now. But I mean, everyone, everyone's going through something. And um, I, you know, I'm trying my hardest to be a coach in not only jujitsu, but in life and career and all and, and all of these different elements of, of life uh, to help those that may perhaps be going through the same feelings and the same emotions that I went through, uh, losing my sight. So what do you say it was the shift where things starting, of course, again, no one, no one has free pass of internal mm -hmm. battles. You have for the rest of your life, everyone will have internal battles. Right. But when do you feel that you start to conquer it and start to like get the best of it, of the internal battle? Cause you're going to have, for you who are listening, there are days that, you know, maybe all those battles you got yeah. the worst of it you had a bad day yeah, internally you know uh -huh. so but what do you feel that it helped to like get that uh 
your that record that to be like a little more positive than than negative regarding to the how to deal with that what how was yeah. what caused the shift i i honestly feel it was just a divine intervention this higher power you in my case it was god you uh, i don't know for the, your listeners it, it whatever your your higher power is but in my case it was this divine intervention that i was actually blessed enough to to experience and i felt this shift this this almost a a flood of love pouring into my heart cuz my parents you know they're uh, believers in christ and they, they said, Hey, Jeff, you know, you, I, I know things are rough. Why don't you come with us to church? And honestly, going to, to that, that church sermon and listening to this message, it was almost as if uh, my God was just talking to me and letting me know, Hey, look, son, everything's going to be fine. You think that you need your sight. You think that you need these things in your life, but really I can make things better I, I you know there, this this higher power and you hear about that a lot in you know people that are dealing with addiction or in aa they talk about higher power and stuff and i'm a true believer that you have to go higher than yourself because every time i was trying to do something myself like i told you go self-medicating and drinking drugs all that type of stuff it nothing was working i was getting the same results and I think Denzel Washington said it best in this commencement speech. He said he told his wife told him this. He said, if you want something new in your life, you're going to have to do something new. And in my case, I had to just put those old ways down that I was trying to, to, to find this, this sense of uh, detachment for myself, because I'll tell you this, because I was suicidal. I, I wanted to take my life and thank God that I didn't because I wouldn't be here speaking to you. I wouldn't be uh, doing the things that I'm doing now. And I can honestly say that this blindness, this loss of sight was an actual blessing in disguise. Now, what, after you kind of had this, you know, revelation in a way, what was some of the, the initial actions that you start taking? So I found um, an outlet in finding to rehab the way that I lived without my, without my sight. There's a, I'm here in San Diego. So it was a place called San Diego center for the blind. And we, we were, um, I, well, I was introduced to this organization and they actually teach adults, children, like people that are either going blind or went blind or vision impaired through trauma on how to live and function without your sight. And then from there, I went to what's called the Davidson Academy up in LA. And it was a live-in live situation where you actually were just learning Braille. You're learning how to use assistive technology with these softwares called, called screen readers. You're learning orientation mobility, which is when you see blind guys walking around with their white cane. you know. Um, and then the last one was independent living skills. And throughout this time, I, I believe it was, I was at the San Diego Center for the Blind for about a year. And then I did that other program. It was like a six month program, but I was super determined just to get back into society. So I did it in four months and enrolled myself back into college, started doing that. And actually at the Davidson Academy, 
that's where a couple of the guys, they were doing judo. They're in a judo club and they're saying, hey, judo is a Paralympic sport. I think you should try it out, Jeff. You, you're an athlete. You should you know, check it out. And I didn't really think too much of it. But in, uh, what was it, in 2012, I was already going to school for about a semester or two. And I just wanted a little bit more. You know, I wanted to challenge myself with something else. So I started looking for some judo or jujitsu clubs around town. And I was actually turned down. <laughs> I was really? turned down by a judo club here in Poway. Yeah, I, I don't even know if they're in business. But, I, um, but uh, yeah, I was turned down at one school. And they said, no, I think you should check out this other school. And then looked around and I actually found San Diego Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy, which is my first academy that I actually trained at. And that's where I met Sensei Paulo Fernando Augusto. He was my first professor in both Judo and Jiu-Jitsu. And there was also uh, this Hall of Famer, Judoka Sensei Walter Dean, who was part uh, of the, I forgot what year it was, but the, he was he was part of the US team uh, as a coach. And I just started training there. And I found a new passion in it because it sparked up that, that, that fire inside of me that you, I'm sure you, you understand when, when, when you roll, you, you kind of have that fire inside of you that you want to just take the other guy out in front of you. And, and all of a sudden I felt alive again. And that's why I, I said to myself, I was like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I want to do this until until I can't anymore. So beautiful. It was, uh, I, I, and that's a blessing in itself. I honestly, I, I, I love it. I, I'm, I'm so in love with jujitsu and grappling and judo. It's, it's not so much judo anymore because my body just, <laughs> I know, judo's oh my rough, man. gosh, it's rough. I know that you had Jimmy Pedro and Travis Stevens on your, on your podcast and, Oh, those guys are beasts. But yeah. I, especially when you get a, a little bit older, I mean, when you're a kid, you can, you can break fall and get back up, break fall and get back up. You're fine. But a little later, oh man, it's tough on your yeah. body. And Jimmy, Jimmy Pedro, I believe I, I'm almost positive he went to four Olympics. If I'm, I'm yeah, correct. Yeah, he, yeah. So people don't realize, like, okay, you're doing judo since you're probably like three years old, right? Yeah, you know. Right, right. So. I don't think what people realize of Olympic athlete is how long it takes for you just to get to an event. There's yeah. only four years apart, just, just four years for you to like, if things don't go well, like, oh, yep. well, okay, prepare yourself, go through four more four years. More. So maybe yeah. you can be in a party again and you, and you sign up for that four times. That's 16, 16 years, years. of wow. plus the other, of course, time that, you know, training yeah. as a kid. Yeah. It's incredible to see. There's a new documentary out on uh -huh. HBO Max. What is the name? That the cover uh -huh. is um, Phelps. It's in a cover. It's all about mental health. Did you hear about oh, it? Oh, wow. No, I, I haven't. Dude, like, tell me a little really, bit more about that. I'm, yeah, I, I need to up. take a look. At, I just watched it like uh, this month. Uh -huh. But it's, uh, it's Michael Phelps on a cover. I do not remember the, the name of it right now, but it's all about Olympic athletes and yeah. mental health. Oh, wow. So, and, and, and you know, they, they, they see therapists all the time. They got, oh, the, yeah. they got, they got, they got a whole team. You know, when yeah. I, uh, when I was part of the U S national team and we did the, uh, 2015 pair of Pan American games, I mean, they had everything 
literally in the village for us. We had chiropractic, we had the hot tub, the ice bath, the massage therapist. I mean, you, I, the, the whole deal. And these guys are just, like you said, machines. Jimmy Pedro, I mean, four times, 16 years. I mean, I can only imagine how his body is now (laughs) today right yeah and then travis stevens oh man same thing i mean i think he had a broken hand in the finals or something yeah dude he he is he's a beast that (laughs) dude is a beast my god it's crazy and you know uh something so fascinating on on just the whole point on the olympics right uh there was research some research study that actually uh, it showed that third place, the bronze medal is actually happier than the hmm. person that got silver. And uh, they believe that because that person that got silver was in the finals and was right about to get their gold medal, mm-hmm. it, it, it loses that weight. So they, they were literally doing a whole study about that on the whole mental health and, and the gratitude of it. But that hmm. bronze, that bronze medal, they're just happy to be on the podium right and and you wouldn't think that that silver medal uh, really kind of crushes that person but i i mean just like what happened so this weekend close, i mean i'm crushed yeah yeah, 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 so, yeah it's so, so close, close. <laughs> yeah i on episode 129 i have i had nick hoekstra he's a purple belt from kansas city okay he, he lost his uh his side too um, oh i heard that one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. judo in uh japan mm-hmm. japan in, in yes and, yeah in jujitsu yeah and so i was teaching a seminar that's when i met him uh oh. personally right and it was so fascinating like see him learning and realizing how present like mm-hmm. you have to be because sometimes a million percent you can be so lazy and i'm like yeah. ah, i just put my leg here but <laughs> What amazes me is how present in jiu-jitsu, especially in this situation, yeah. you have to be because you roll in at the same time. It's like, I'm aware of training partners getting too close to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. things like that. Something that I found like fascinating too. He said that just, just having like some type of radio or music playing, you know, mm-hmm. he can in the middle of like a bunch of scrambles and or whatever, you upside down, you come back up just for you to hear the sound where the music's coming from like okay i know where i'm at in the room yeah no no i i I, I was i was i was literally nodding my head the whole time i was listening to that podcast and it's true so at 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 our gym over at Pali jiu-jitsu we have a a a speaker right in the corner on this on this wall so i i'll listen to that especially when i'm when i'm when i'm teaching to know exactly where my body position is supposed to be, you know, and, 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 Beautiful. and, and it's these different things that you can use for your, for your awareness, your sensory awareness mm-hmm. to figure out, you know, okay, am I doing the technique correctly where the whole class can see me? And I mean, it's tough when you can't see anything. Yeah, right? dude. <laughs> that's, you know, that's incredible. Uh, now let's talk a little bit about business. Yeah. When the, uh, do you feel that since you was young, you had the entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial bug or something that was developed later? What do you think? Ah, uh, funny story. So I, I have a, I have a cousin, Christine, she's up in the Bay area. And ever since we were kids, she would always, she would always make 
fun of you know all the all the cousins and stuff and they would always make fun of me because i was always trying to sell them something like anything i could get my hands on i was selling them they're like saying oh man jeff's nice. gonna be that guy on the infomercials selling george foreman grills to everybody <laughs> and stuff and and here you go I'm, i mean i'm i'm definitely an entrepreneur and i honestly felt it yeah when i was when i was younger that i i liked to develop relationships i liked being able to sell and i had a lot of sales jobs growing up so it was kind of in my blood and then my mom's uh, mom my grandma she was also an entrepreneur which I didn't even know about until she passed away. Uh, I did her eulogy and they were giving me uh, bits and pieces of her history. And I go, the heck? She had her own little store and she was going to, uh, so, so I'm Filipino, so they're in the Philippines, to go to Subic Bay, which was the American base at the time. And she would go and buy American um, cigarettes and, um, and, and goods and then bring it back to her community and sell it like with high profit margins so <laughs> so you know it was it was just in my blood but but yeah growing up always selling something i think my first real job was cutco knives i don't know if you're familiar with cutco mm -hmm. but they're just this market level uh multi-level marketing company and i thought to myself oh man this is this is awesome and uh, found out real quickly that selling knives was very difficult, but I found a way. I found a way. I was able to find my stride, and uh, after that, got into a couple more sales jobs. Started selling real estate um, before the the crash, and did very well. and And now, uh, as an entrepreneur myself, you know these these opportunities they 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 come and go, and Actually, for me, the, the, the first startup that I launched, which was actually in 2019, right after I graduated from college, I actually had a full ride scholarship. Okay, I had a full ride scholarship to uh, San Diego State University in what's called industrial organizational psychology, which is just a fancy word of saying like business psychology. Mm -hmm. And I got hit by my friend and he said, you got to check this out. It was like a formulation, right? It was like a little topical, topical cream. And he knew that I was competing all the time and, and that I would have some soreness all over my body. And he said, just try this out. You know, it's just a formulation. It's got like some CBD products in it and, and, and it's all essential oils. There's no man-made stuff. Just give it a shot. And I was like, ah, oh, whatever. I, I wasn't really a huge believer. So I threw it on my, on my dresser, but I was having this this pain, this, this pain that kept on um, getting worse on my left arm. And I think it was like tennis elbow, like that tendonitis because of just mm -hmm. the pushing and pulling, right? That we're doing all the time in, in grappling and jujitsu. And knowing myself, I'm just like, ah, I'm, I'm just going to get through it. I'm just going to go to the gym. I'm just going to work through it. But you got to listen to your body, right? And, and it just kept, it kept on getting worse. So I said, you know what, what the hell? I'm going to give it a shot. So I grabbed that jar. I threw it on my, on my tricep area, that tendon area. And he told me just put it on twice a day. And I did it for two days. And all of a sudden, when I went back to the gym, I was like, you know what, let me try this out again. And I didn't feel that pain anymore. And I go, what the heck? This is, this is weird. So I, I go to the pull-up bar because I couldn't do any pull-ups at the time. And I hop on the bar and I just start banging them out. And I'm like, what the 
week. And I, so right after my workout, I call my buddy. I go, hey, Calvin, what's up, man? Hey, you know that stuff that you gave me? Man, dude, that works. And his response is like, what? It does? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, man, it does. He's like, oh my God, we gotta, we gotta go get lunch. Let's go and talk, you know? And that was the whole inception, the idea of forming Habu because he knew a, a, a biomedical chemist that formulated this and wanted to push it out and, 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 uh, and push the scalability. And he said, hey, Jeff, I don't know anything about business. You just graduated. You, do, do you want to, do you want to start a brand? And I said, oh man, I don't know, man. You know, cause if I had, I'm like, oh, I want the secure job, right? You, the, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're programmed. You're programmed to be like, oh no, take the secure way. So I, I, I was kind of stuck in this, this predicament. So to my left, I was talking to a lot of my mentors that were educators that were 10 year professors. And they said, Jeff, you need to go to school get your degree and be a tenure professor. You're great. You know how to explain things and, and you're great with speaking. Right. And then on to the right of me, I also grew to have good relationships with business professionals, different presidents and CEOs and CFOs of different companies and consultants. And they said, Jeff, you don't need that formal education. He's like, you already got it. You got a story. Use this world as your lab and just throw experiments out there and Ultimately, it was my decision, and I just took a leap of faith, which is the hardest for any entrepreneur or anyone trying to start something, but it's taking that leap of faith, and I took it and never looked back, and uh, now I'm running, what, four four companies now? It's crazy. Right on. Yeah. Yeah, and the most important thing is you just need to be you to do you. Yes. You know? And for you who are listening right now, sure, I mean, if you have to listen to all of our parents' advice. Right. Don't get me wrong. Right. They want the best and they wish the best, but it doesn't mean that it's you know applicable for you or you know not necessarily they are right. You don't have to agree with their their vision because maybe yeah sure you can have right. we talk here plenty of times yeah we can have an incredible uh job that make pays a lot of money and you're just miserable and you can't yeah. stand during the job like let me, okay, let me ask you, you have the security you know right let me ask you this because i did that like when you were growing up was there uh was there a line of a career that you were going towards because your parents or your your, your teachers or uh, some sort of uh, um, <clears throat> some sort of influence push you away uh to a certain place or did you just already know that you wanted to you know teach jujitsu open up gyms like uh for in your case did you did you have a a path that you had to stray away from and then come back to interesting question long question i'll try to keep it uh short i was in brazil uh, a couple of weeks ago uh mm-hmm. with my mom and um when i was 12 years old mm-hmm. she was in a very toxic uh, relationship mm-hmm. with domestic violence and that kind of stuff yeah. and that was the moment in our house that my brother and I couldn't do anything it was kind of like the uh, I don't know like I don't know what are the uh what like can a pivotal I pivotal point or something it is but yeah. I'm saying you're more like just living in a situation that are like dude I can't do anything I can't yeah. do this I can't do that and for some reason around that age 
I didn't know what I was going to do, but it just got into my head of like, I just don't want people telling me what to do. Okay, and, that, okay. and that was my, my number one motivation. Mm-hmm. It was, I don't want people telling me. And since I was young, I was, I, I got involved with entrepreneurship. I, yeah. I don't have memories of four years old and then try to sell fruits, you know, like <laughs> uh-huh. the, the, you have like limes, a lime tree in the, in the house that we right. live. And then my mom tells us to everyone that I was, I just start collecting some and putting a little bucket and uh-huh. going to in front of the house to sell because they're like, well, no one's going to eat this. Might as well, I can sell it. Yeah. You know? so, the, yeah. so little things that when you're young, Mm-hmm. And maybe things for you that are listening right now, maybe you have a child or maybe enough. These are traits to pay attention. You know what I mean? Right. The kids yeah. that want to negotiate and, you know, that's definitely have some entrepreneurial DNA there, possibly. Definitely. And yeah, I totally agree. It's just happened that when I was, uh, I started jujitsu when I was 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. By 16, I realized that that's what I wanted to do and pursue. So uh-huh. I got lucky with that. I just honestly, it just happened to be jujitsu. I feel like anything that I really get involved, yeah, I was, I was just looking for something. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do a lot of activity. Couldn't do any activities because my because my mom couldn't really afford. Yeah. So I always I want to do soccer. I want to do this, and I couldn't mm-hmm. really do. So finally, when she started doing better, and I was able to. Uh, uh, for her to pay for me to do jujitsu, mm-hmm. and by sixteen, I just put it together. So like, well, I saw the the jujitsu instructor, and I was yeah. like, wait a minute. So you're telling me there's a gig out there that you can teach jujitsu and get paid? You know, is that right? I'm like, yeah, they didn't. Of course, we're talking like late nineties, er, uh, late eighties, early nineties, okay, which. Okay. You try you try to convince someone you're gonna make money with martial arts, you right. know, especially in the early nineties. Would be like, come on, man, right? You know. So, I think the main thing for me, and that's my, I don't know, my suggestion to people uh-huh. is when I got a point to go to college, um, my mom was not too happy that I wanted to pursue jujitsu. However, right, I decided to go to college. But for physical education, which is I want something related to jujitsu, right. uh, to sports. So did you plus, do kinesiology or something like that? Is that what yeah, you I want to be okay. like a PE teacher. PT guy. Okay, sort okay. Of, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. And so that because in Brazil, I, I didn't think that I was going to live abroad. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, things, you know, just happened. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's just happened that I had this, this opportunity and, and in Brazil, my yeah. idea of having a jiu-jitsu school is it's rare for you. I don't know how it is right now. I've been away for over 20 years, but mm-hmm. I don't remember back then like, oh, you just rent a place and you started jiu-jitsu school. It's not okay. that simple. It wasn't you know, that simple. It's though. usually, you know, it's usually it's a fitness gym. Be like, yo, I rent you this little space. You can put oh, some mats here and like you run sub-leasing. your program. Like subleasing yeah. mats. Okay. okay. Basically. Uh-huh. Probably now is different, but back in, you know, t- yeah. over 20 years ago, there's I probably could count how many people can actually let me rent a place and run a jiu-jitsu school. Yeah. Not that many people were able to pull that off. So in order to have a gym in Brazil and run it, you need to have a, a physical education degree. So I was oh, like, wow, okay. let me uh, put both together. So if yeah. I do have to get a gym, a fitness mm-hmm. gym to have jiu-jitsu program, at least I have the, the P uh, C- degree to back it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, right. To, to back it up all that. Uh-huh. You know, so basically that was my idea. So my mom was, she, what she got upset is mm-hmm. again, uh, she's my best friend and then yeah. uh, everything that, uh, you know, 
for me to be here, of course, it was 100% her because it was yeah. a single mom raising two boys. Right. But when it got to the decision, I said, I want to I want to do physical education. She was living it. She was like, <laughs> you're going to be broke. You're not going to make any money. You're not going to be successful. She's just going off. Yo, look at me teacher. now, mom. Yeah. But in my mind, uh-huh. I was 18, but like she didn't understand that. I was just like, you, you, you're not understanding. Mom. This is not about money. Right. I'm not thinking about money. Right, right. I'm thinking about doing what I want to do. And it's very, God, how many people do you know, Jeff, or even if you oh. were listening right now that had a plan and the parents shut down, like, what, what mm-hmm. are you going to do? No, they pass their insecurities to them. And guess yes. what? They will go to a different path and that's okay. Maybe right. a path that worked out or, or whatever. Right. But maybe it's but something that I, years later, highly, they're yeah, it's high. It's, yeah. It's highly more, or it's more than likely that it's regretting. And that's the worst thing is settling, right? I, I, I never wanted to settle, uh, and and I always I always have this philosophy of it's not what everyone thinks that you want to be, right? It's what you want to be, and 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 mm-hmm. to your point, not letting these influences of every everyone around you, the people that loves you, by the way, love yeah. you and care about you, right? Exactly, exactly. It could be your 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 uh, family. It could be your partner, whatever the case may be. But uh, in the end, it's going to be you and your decision and you're going to have to live with it. So why not take that leap of faith, uh, whether it's starting a salon or a clothing brand or whatever the case may be, whatever, you're li- you know, you have a lot of listeners, but whatever, whatever it is, just taking the steps. And for you, Gustavo, you took the steps of getting that cert- certification, that degree. And perhaps there's a step that people need to do before they launch mm-hmm. that startup, whether it's writing up a business plan, whether it's talking to um, some angel investors that are going to give you give you some capital to start. But do, do do your homework, right? Do your research, do your homework, and then obviously launch that dream and have goals as well. You know, I was. Uh, I've been revisiting this week the audiobook uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Oh yeah, Robert Kiyosaki. I was yeah, I, I just had this conversation with one of my uh, uh, highly rec- yeah. highly recommended for yeah. for everyone. But he said something really cool that I think it was from someone else. Uh-huh. But it said like people are always one skill away from yes. like really like drastically yep. improving their lives. You know what I yeah. mean? One just kind of to just learn this this you develop this skill here yes. automatically is going to bump you up yeah you know what i mean no no i i a million percent he also said something funny he said uh for for those of for those listeners that are going to college um he said um c c grade uh, people that get c's they open up businesses mm-hmm. and the people that have a's work for them yeah. the people that have b's work for the government <laughs> <laughs> that's good so one thing that uh I want to share with everyone. Uh, there's a few quotes, right? Maybe you have some of the hardcore listeners. This is what episode 132, I believe. 132, yes. So I haven't been as consistent as before. Just too many things happening. Yeah. But I have a few quotes that I like to share with uh, with people, and I have two of my main ones. I'm going to share one that I read for the, for the hardcore listeners that already listened. Probably all 132. Um, it's about challenging, and this is going to relate to, I think, to everyone. So when I was, one of the things that kind of guided me along the way, it was 
taking on challenges. Mm-hmm. So when I was a teenager, probably around that, that time, I heard a quote that's not the exact same words, but something to, to <laughs> this extent was, if you're looking for a big opportunity, accept a big challenge. Mm. So when you look into your journey, when you accept that challenge of number one, just kind of get out of that funk, yep. look for, you know, developing a skill, your education it was a huge challenge for you, mm. you know, uh, mentally, you know, uh, emotionally, just everything. It was a huge challenge, but there would be no way that that would not give you automatically just generate some type of opportunity. Right. Regardless, and this is important, regardless if you did not get the outcome that you want, because that's the problem. Some, sometimes people go through an experience, mm-hmm. they do not get the outcome that they want, and then that's it. I failed. That was not good. And like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Many times that opportunity comes back in a form of a lesson and mm-hmm. often comes back into a form of another challenge. Since you got this year, guess what? We have this year for you. Do you want to take it? Okay, you do want it? Let's go, because this is going to lead to something else. So th- at the end of the day, it's going to be your decision. And that's when I call my second uh, quote, not mine, but from Tony Robbins. Right. It's in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. At the moment that you made your decision to go to college to do that, everything, you're, dude, your destiny mm-hmm. completely shaped. You know what yeah. I mean? Definitely. So that's that's a phrase for, for people to take in consideration because I guarantee you, if you're listening right now, like I said, regardless if it was a positive or negative outcome, or not not even say positive or negative, desired yeah. or undesired outcome, I guarantee you that moments in your life that you accept a big challenge, a big opportunity present itself. If you had the awareness to realize that is a it's happening, this opportunity is happening in a way, in a form of a lesson of another challenge, that is up to you. But I tell you what, mm-hmm. anytime, anytime you accept a huge challenge, for sure, it will lead to a, a, a really good opportunity. Yeah, a million percent. I mean, they, I don't know if it was John Maxwell or Les Brown that said, fail, fail forward right mm-hmm. you, you're gonna fail it's inevitable that you're gonna fail even if you're like the best in, in the best the, the 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 master of of whatever you do you're going to fail it's it's inevitable and like you said you just have to take those failures and just keep on moving <clears throat> keep on moving keep on moving forward because uh what'd you say i think you said you're just right that you're one step from yeah, making that one break skill away one, one skill knowledge, away. yeah and, uh, you know, we, we tend to fall short and it's, it's this, uh, it's kind of like this life that we live in with instant gratification, with the two day shipping from Amazon prime with, mm. with all the content right at your fingertips. Uh, people aren't, aren't ever putting themselves through these challenges or, 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 uh, persevering through adversity because of, because of this normalcy of, of ease, but, I'm sure you you did this before. I know I did. I, I might outdate myself, but delayed delayed uh, uh, gratification. Where I remember we would have uh, cereal boxes, and you'd cut out the proof of purchase and you'd mail it out. And you'd mm. wait like a week or two, and they would send you some sort of bottle 
squirter thing that you could put on a two liter bottle that was plastic that was probably made by in like you know like two cents or something like that but you're so you're so ecstatic and and, and so excited that you got this thing in the mail yeah. but, it, but it really had no value whatsoever but <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about since we're talking about entrepreneurship of course uh, it's not like all roses and beautiful right. uh, that's something that sometimes people don't realize before they kind of get into uh becoming an entrepreneur so what since after you got out of college mm -hmm. and then start kind of doing new things what are some of like the biggest struggles that you face in entrepreneurship that could be any topic could be marketing sales whatever what's something that you're like huh i didn't know about that well so i don't know if i forgot the person that wrote the book but there's a book called e-myth yes michael grape okay 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 yeah yeah so exactly so uh he breaks it down to entrepreneurship or entrepreneur manager and skill set right and and what happens is as a skill set person, you've got the skill that people want your service or your product. So you're thinking to yourself, well, why not make a business out of it? So you start, you know, you, you, you set up a website, you start selling things. I'll, I'll just use uh, myself, for example, for the Habu. So we had this product um, and we want to sell it. So now I have to manage the, the steps of shipping, uh, supply chain, marketing, promotions, uh, business taxes. I mean, it's just a whole whirlwind of crap, you know, and then, and then, and then you level up to the entrepreneur side and that's where the innovation and the creativity comes around and how you, how you scale your business out. Well, in the e-myth, it talks about, you can't be all three, but we as skill set um, masters think that we could be all three. And I found that the best way to get things done is you really have to get help. I mean, I tried doing it. Um, I saved, I saved on like corporation filing, all that stuff. But then when it got to taxes and doing books and stuff, I, I was trying to do it myself and I'm like, Oh man, I can't do this. And actually uh, one of my first failures in business was I didn't file in time and we got hit with a $6,600 uh, penalty. And I'm like, Oh crap. And we didn't even make any money the first year. So, so I immediately got connected with my CPA. Now uh, shout out to John Greenman, but he, he uh, swept it on the rug. He, he gave us a, a one get out of jail free card that we can use. And um, I learned that the things that you're bad at, or the, those, those weaknesses, you're going to have to ask for help. You can't do it yourself. And I found that finding that support and that, that interdependency with uh, other professionals makes it so much easier. And, and, and another thing too is you, you want to obviously grow your business, but there's so many working parts. So if you're trying to juggle everything, eventually just one small step this way or straight off this path is just going to put a whole cabbage to, to, to the whole model. So I learned that asking for help um, and creating relationships, you got to take care of your people, right? Because um, your organization is only good as the people that run it. And I, I, I'm a huge believer of, of building cohesion within groups. And that's, that's what I found that, that 
you can't do it yourself. And I thought I could do it myself because I, 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 I was assertive. I was punctual. I, I, I knew how to manage my time. I had everything. I thought I had everything under control, but let, let, let it be hold. I, I didn't. So, um, there. Yeah. In the beginning of, um, I think, of course, most, most of the entrepreneurs, you're going to be kind of in the beginning, a one man show, right? Yeah, you're just trying to definitely. figure it out. Uh-huh. Uh, you start in the band, but you're the band, <laughs> you know, you're, <laughs> exactly. you're the leader of the band, but you don't have any, any, any people. You just like, okay, okay. I'm starting the band. Who is coming with me? Right. So that's gonna, that's gonna take some time. You know what I mean? Of course, to, to recognize the same, I, I struggle a lot with that too. Uh-huh. Sometimes that control freak type of thing. No, yeah. no, I gotta do it. No, I gotta touch this. I gotta do that. Right. Um, we, get, now, we fall into that, right? We fall into the, absolutely. Uh, it's if, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done right. We mm. got to get out of that mindset, you know? Yeah, for sure. And for, well, of course you have a lot of people with different business here, but we do have a lot of jujitsu instructors or school owners here right. uh, listening. So one of the things that a, a challenging, good, but challenging chapter in people's entrepreneurship uh, uh, journey I'm, I'm using jujitsu just because, okay, uh, that's my, my background, right. but I feel like there are moments in your business that you're okay. You're a one man show. And then I was like, okay, I can't really afford people. And then yeah. you get to a point where you're like, man, I'm doing okay, but not quite okay to mm-hmm. bring someone on board yet. So right. now in a limbo, like, should I try to hire someone? And that it's a critical First of all, it's it's a good problem to have because you know yes. things are growing and you and you need a problem. Now, back to the beginning, what you said about taking that 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 leap of faith and be like, you know what, I'm going. Yeah. And even though you're not completely financially ready for it, maybe some right. people may feel that is a irresponsible um, advice. But because sometimes my uh, my wife goes like, "You crazy doing this? Investing doing that?" And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> We got to see ourselves as just quarterbacks, man. You're not always going to land. Not every throw is a touchdown. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to overthrow. Unfortunately, we're not going to hit everything, you know? So I feel that just having that, uh, and one suggestion, for instance, I was talking with someone that has a school and I was talking is about this strategy that, that I did when the first time I actually pay for someone to teach classes for me, yeah. uh, right? It was the moment that, again, I couldn't do it. Yeah. But I said, like, let's do this. Let's try for three months. I have enough to kind of make it happen for for three months. Right. If things go well, we keep doing. If not, you know, uh, but at least I'm not, you know, not promising anything. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I'm trying. Totally. And honestly, I've never had to actually cut of if, I don't even know how many times I've done uh, uh-huh. this move before, uh, but I never had to like go back like, hey, I want to have to go back. I can because when you're, I, I like to say one thing too that nothing, nothing is more motivating than necessity. When you right. see your bank account, it's low. Like, dude, mm-hmm. yeah, time to hustle. We need to make this yes. happen. Yeah, going to wait. One percent. I mean, yeah. that that that, that kind of reminds me of this book, uh, what the richest man in Babylon, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. he, he says the first rule is you have to pay yourself. And we mm-hmm. always get into the point of like, oh, no, I don't have enough money. I got to pay rent. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got a phone bill. But if you don't set aside 
a bill for yourself. And it could be 10%, it could be 5%, it could be very small, but you have to intentionally put it out there and pay yourself because you have to find ways to save. And then again, compound interest on, on, on managing that money. But uh, for example, if you went and got a phone, right. And you, and you wanted to do an upgrade, you'll find a way to get $65 a month. Right. So why not do that for yourself? Find a way to pay yourself $65 a month, find your way to pay yourself hundred dollars a month and then do something with it. But it's again, being intentional. And, and, and then that whole leaping uh, of faith, you're going to find a way you, you really are. And if you do fail, Hey, we talked about this earlier in the, in the podcast, you're going to fail. It's inevitable. I think Warren Buffett, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, um, invest in any companies that haven't failed three times. Hmm. and i mean it's, it's, that's a very interesting model but he knows that companies are going to fail and and if you can embrace the fail or embrace the suck i think jocko willing talks about yeah. that right embrace the suck right yeah <laughs> and, yeah. And, and 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 you'll find different ways you'll find creative ways to be able to pay yourself pay and again bring in help and pay them like in your case Gustavo, you know yeah. So what, um, I'm going to bring a topic that we talked a little before start recording and said like, yeah, maybe after the, um, the oh, podcast yeah. to talk about it. So like, why don't we talk now so people can can hear? Yeah. So we're talking about crypto. So um, I told him I'm, I'm, I'm very new in this in this field. Like most people got involved with crypto. A lot of people got involved last year, 2021. And that's mm-hmm. what happened to me. Uh, so I told you I'm a white belt with no stripes. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully by the end of the year, I get a little stripe. Yeah. But so what's uh, so what's going on with that? What you said you want to do a channel. Yeah. And how do you why do you feel like you want to talk more about crypto? I, and for people who don't know there's a lot of skepticals, right? About mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it, it can be Absolutely. sketchy. So it's a Ponzi yeah. scheme. It's 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 fake. It's yeah, I, I yeah. get it. I, I've heard, I hear it all the time. But yeah, just share um, with us how do you feel about crypto and about creating the channel? Let's go. Yeah, so um, that's you're putting me on the spot. That's good. That's good. Good, good, good. Make it. <laughs> that's good. Make that's, your that, thing. that's the opportunity, right? Yeah, uh, that we talked about. So I I honestly got heavily immersed in crypto about two years ago i heard about it a lot growing uh back when um satoshi nakamoto wrote that first white paper for bitcoin but the real motivation is a real good buddy of mine him and i invested in a, a mining rig and we started mining crypto and then from there um we obviously want to follow more about okay if we want to, if you want to know about crypto, you want to first get the fundamentals and that's mining it. And then from there, you can start watching the markets and stuff. And before you knew it, I was just so obsessive over finding information, data, uh, watching, watching the markets and stuff. And it excites me just like, just like entrepreneurship. And I'm, I've always been a numbers guy. I actually went to school to be an accountant and a CPA, and I'm not, saying anything bad about that because accounting came really easy for me. But every time I interviewed a CPA or a CFO or a controller of a company, their day-to-day, I just, I couldn't do it. I, I really couldn't do it. So then that's when I shifted over to entrepreneurship. So again, just watching the numbers and stuff, 
crypto just fascinates me with this is actually where the future is going. And regardless if everyone is talking about, oh, is it decentralized? Is it centralized? Uh, the, the mission of, of being able to transfer, let's say you have a family member in Brazil, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they're, they're, they're stuck in a pinch and they need real quick money this cryptocurrency like bitcoin you could literally send your 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 family member bitcoin they could extract it into fiat money and and pay whereas in the regular financial institutions with with the banks you'd have to go through an intermediary even with paypal and you know and, and venmo same 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 concept but it's just using other tokens and coins mm-hmm. so that's where i got caught up in the mix and before you knew it, I started putting different positions on um, different coins and different blockchains. And that led to talking to my buddy and he said, man, I think you should start a, a crypto channel and just talk about uh, different different coins or different white papers and, and communicating effectively in such a way that somebody that doesn't really know much about crypto or maybe wants to know a little bit more about it maybe a baby boomer maybe it's uh, uh um uh someone from another place that doesn't even have access to it but put it in such a way that it's easy in layman's terms it's very basic and that someone that has no idea what it is can understand it and i i have i've i've been blessed with a good mouthpiece and a good way of explaining things. Mm-hmm. So that's why he said, he, he said, Hey, Jeff, man, I think you should do it. So uh, that's the next project that I'm, that I'm going to get into. So I'm working on that and stay tuned, stay tuned. Right on. Um, man, my suggestion is for people who don't know anything about it, man, there's some cool documentaries on youtube or you know like just documentaries about money or whatever and they have like different things and i've watched a few about uh crypto and it's it's good you know and one of the things that we talk to is like i don't think crypto is going like away it's not it's not anytime soon it's just not going away you You can't stop it it is what it is at this point that's what kind of got me to when i start uh watching documentaries is like dude this is like a such a critical time in the world right of this transformation in 100 years people are going to be looking back and like hey that's around the time that started so right. this is a critical point on the crypto development there's so many sometimes people ask me like oh, like first of all um i barely know anything uh-huh. and then there's so many things that are changing how the government is getting involved yeah. with this or, yes. you know what i mean so there's so many things that are going to happen but just fear and saying like oh no no just schedule i don't want to do it that, right okay. and you, you know? look at and if you look at what's going on the adoption of it well el salvador making it uh yeah, ten- tender right they're, they're they're miami miami's doing this whole bitcoin piece where they're trying to pay out uh you know residents out there and stuff i mean venezuela there's so many there's so much adoption going on that the governments and these these central banks the bank cartels all that stuff they're like what do we do because in essentially people are taking their money out of these financial institutions that we've been in for hundreds of years and they're putting it into crypto and they're like what the heck is going on right and mm-hmm. and if you watch the markets 
you'll see it go up and down. It's just like the stock market, except it just doesn't close. And I, I honestly truly believe that this is the future. I mean, we, we talked about it, right? Who, who thought about the internet? Like we're, we're, we're now speaking yeah. on a Zoom call. You're in Arizona, I'm in San Diego. I mean, who would have thought that we can connect on this make-believe network? Crazy. Uh, you know, and, and it's so, so again, finding uh, ways and being proficient enough to finding these opportunities I think is going to give the quote unquote entrepreneur uh, an edge on getting ahead, whether it's in finance, whether it's in the service business, commercial real estate, whatever the case may be. I think that you have to be proficient enough to find these opportunities. For sure. Now let's uh, change uh, gears real quick. So mm -hmm. books, okay. what do you feel that uh, it was a game changing book for you? You can even choose the topic if you want, because it could be business, entrepreneurship, whatever, yeah. but, and also there are different books for different people and books that come in different moments of your life. You know what I mean? Yes. So, so what is a book that made a, one of the books, there's so many that you read, so many. one of the books that then <laughs> right away come to your head, like, man, that made an impact on me. Cause sometimes it's one page made the right. impact and that's it. One page. And you're like, dude, that's worth it. The time. Absolutely. So in the self-help uh, realm, I believe Eckhart Tolle's the power of now mm -hmm. you must read that i mean it has so I many have it here yeah nice it has so many gems and i've read it five times and every time i read it i find something new and, and, and um another another great book uh is from jack redfield um the celestine prophecy it, it's like the story about uh, can you what's his name again uh, jack redfield okay and um uh, what's the name? The, the Celestine Prophecy. It's a fictional book, but this after the after reading this book, I literally took coincidence out of my vocabulary. I don't believe in coincidences. I honestly, truly believe that everything happens for a reason, at the right time, and even if you don't feel it's the right time, it's the right time. And um, I believe that that's how I was able to take that leap of faith, especially in that first startup that I did in 2019. So um, that, and then one last one, one last one that, that, cause man, I have so many, I, that's all I do as I read. I don't even mm -hmm. watch, watch TV literally or figuratively speaking, <laughs> but, Good for but you. Uh, Joseph Murphy's the, the power of the subconscious mind. Oh my God. Heard of it. Blow your freaking mind, man. And uh, just a quick, premise behind it it's it's a battle between your conscious and your subconscious mind whereas everyone wants to be present and mindfulness and be conscious about things but there's resistance there whereas the subconscious is what is actually materializing in your life so if you can tap into your subconscious mind which is right when you're about to fall asleep like that's when the subconscious mind starts to wake up if you can start tapping into that and doing different mantras, doing different, di different routines, uh, I'll tell you this, it's, it's like a code breaker of life. If, if you think life is a game, which I, I do believe, um, are you going to be a player or spectator? Someone always said that. Are you going to be a player or spectator? I'm going to be a player. I'm going to get on that court and play the game. But if there are some rules that I can figure out and get some cheat codes on, it's literally mm -hmm. the power of the subconscious mind. So I'll Beautiful. just leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. 
Right on. All right. We're getting close to the end of the interview. Right. And I want to ask you here, what is one of the best, um, what, what would be actually be two? One is what okay. one of the best advice you've ever received from whatever, could it be jujitsu, life, business, something that pops up in your mind? Okay. I would say uh, some of the best advice I got was learn how to laugh at yourself really learn how to laugh at yourself because we got this ego and this pride and everything and 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 we get so caught up in this negative self-talk but once you push that all away um and detach from it and not attach to it life gets so much easier i i, I believe there's like this uh um this line that they say as far as detachment goes right detachment is not that a person doesn't own anything it's that nothing owns that person so being able to laugh at yourself and detach from all these different things that we get so caught up on, um, it's, it's, it's one of the best uh, pieces of advice that I've gotten um, in my life. And then obviously hard work works. That's yes. as easy as that. Hard work works. That's true. <laughs> Don't half-ass it. <laughs> and the last question is, what advice would you give to, to the younger Jeff when you started to like get into entrepreneurship you know like if you need to go back and tell not, not that you want anything different but see like hey since you get into entrepreneurship what is something that you'd be able to tell your younger self uh i would just tell him i mean oh man besides relax dude all right <laughs> <laughs> calm breathe yeah. stillness uh, i would i would just tell him Fasten your seatbelt because it's going to be a fun ride. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I go. honestly, no, I, I have no regrets whatsoever. And um, I, just knowing just the, the, the volatility and the turbulence that you go through, I, I, I thrive off of it. But um, actually experiencing it and knowing that, again, those failures are going to be inevitable. I think, uh, who is it, Earl Nightingale said, we're all self-made, but only to successful admit it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. so just yeah. fail your way to success right that's it, it's 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 that easy um and again um it ties into knowing how to laugh at yourself you'll find success in that beautiful jeff thank you so much man appreciate mm -hmm. it. it was awesome awesome thank to, you so much uh, for having awesome me. conversation i think a lot of people take some really good uh, concepts whether you're an entrepreneur or not i feel that there's so many Awesome, and you know, incredible inspiration, dude, of accepting the challenges in your life, you know, making, creating opportunities out of these challenges, and, and now just start a new one, but it, it will keep going. You will continue to accept challenges. Yes, we're going to get the best of it sometimes, sometimes you won't, but that's everyone else, mm -hmm. you know, that it's, it's out there dealing with internal and external battles. We'll talk about the internal battles, but yeah, external battles, the everyday life that you, you're going to have to go through. But if you're, if you can handle, at least get the best of your internal battles, the external would make it, you know, consequently it will be easier, become a little easier. You know? So thank you. Thank you yeah, for having th me. Thank you so much, guys. Any questions can always send me a message. I'm on Instagram, Gustavo Dantos BJJ, and you can send me an email as well, info at the bjjmentalcoach.com and I'll see y'all soon. Who's
We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.